Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me in today's podcast. Today's podcast is with first-time documentary film creator Gene Adam Jr. His documentary film is called Finding Betty, which is a striking documentary that makes the compelling argument that an Alabama white woman had been wrongfully imprisoned for 30 years. In this 80-minute documentary film of his, Gene Adam Jr., undertakes and makes a compelling case that Betty Wilson was wrongfully convicted of a murder conspiracy in connection with an early 1990s death of her husband, Dr. Jack Wilson, in Huntsville, Alabama. This video of his offers very thorough research as well as a step-by-step -step analysis of the various weaknesses in the prosecution's case. So please, sit back and listen to the conversation I have with the director of the film, Finding Betty. You put four years of your time in? So the film itself, I'd say it took about two and a half years, but I've been on the Betty Wilson project for four years. Wow. Gene, if you don't mind, let's, let's get right into it. I had no aspirations of filmmaking or TV, film, anything like that. It was just that this story was so powerful mm -hmm. that I felt that I had to find an outlet to get it to the public's attention. And I wanted to see, like, you know, these streaming companies, if there was a way, if I made my own film on my own, by my own self, you know, independently, is it possible? And when I found out that it was a possibility, it was just a go from there. And it's not easy, but it's possible. Well, definitely talk a little bit about that because there are so many independent filmmakers out there who want to mm -hmm. get their projects. I'm just going to call it on the silver screen, whether it be the Amazon Prime, the Netflix and things like that. I'm just going to call it the silver screen because you have done that. Your Finding Betty is available on Amazon Prime, YouTube TV, yeah. not Netflix though, right? No. Okay. I, Apple I TV. I just sent an email that it got picked up by Zumo this week. So we definitely want to touch on that, but I'd like to know, did it resonate with you or what was the importance of this project, of this story about Betty that really drew you in i mean there's conspiracy there's murder there's murder for hire there's a twin sister there's so much happening so was it more than that so so initially it was just exposing the injustice in general and i just think that it's phenomenal that there's just so much tied to it and it's one if you want to use the term miracle but in a bad perspective, that's really like the story of Betty Wilson. Mm. Now, how did you go about first hearing this story? And then how did you go about doing the research? Yeah, that's a great question. So I was watching an episode of Forensic Files, and there was an episode about her. And I had been a Forensic Files junkie, so I would just binge watch this show. And I'd seen episodes maybe 
three, four times, and I had never seen this one when I was first watching it. And that kind of struck me just because there was a lot in that episode that pointed to this injustice as far as missing pieces. So when I was watching the episode, I wanted to see if I had missed something and there was a reason for Betty's guilt. And I just kind of wanted to see like if any of her appeals had gotten reversed or anything else. Cause usually at the end of the episode, they'll put that type of information, but that information wasn't there. So I just thought they had missed something. Maybe Peggy, you know, rolled off and got away. And so I started looking into it basically through episodes on her case. And then that got more into like articles, court documents, the books, the books are really informative as far as just piecing the puzzles together. And I was simply shocked at just so much at what really took place in this woman's life. So that's really the basis of my research. And I put together a document, just all of it together. And I posted it on a website, DocDroid, where, you know, you can just post documents online for free. And once I really read through and got familiar with it, I started, you know, showing people how this really happened. So people who didn't know the case would now understand this injustice and furthermore like just basically get a general understanding and that was the basis of the film so there were five people who came who had either little or no knowledge of this case and we did this through the height of the pandemic so what initially was supposed to be maybe about a six-month project ended up being over two years because we had gotten a we got an approval to actually have an in-person interview with Betty. And that was February of 2020. March 2020, everything just shut down. So we were kind of like throwing a curveball and I still wanted to make sure I got this out there. I still wanted to make sure I had Betty a part of the movie. I wanted to make sure that she had the ability to talk and tell her story. So what actually happened when we had this interview, they told us we weren't allowed to ask questions about the case. My idea going in was I would, you know, have a little conversation with her, a little side chat, and then I'd ask her about Peggy's case because that's even more important anyway, because if I can't ask her about her case, certainly I can ask about her twin sisters. And then, the next time we submitted a request, once you know the inmates were vaccinated, we were denied a request. So I just said, you know, I'll just have this over the phone, and that's ended up. That's what ended up being, you know, the part of the movie that Betty has. I want to ask you real quick though, because these are the things that you hear about in the movies. You know what I'm saying is, somebody like Joe down the street says, "I'm going to be a filmmaker, and I want to do this murder case." Oh, but they're in jail. I guess I can't interview them. 
What was your process as far as getting the court system or or the jail prison to allow you to interview and speak with Betty? So the initial interview that we requested, it was done through the production company that assisted me, Beverly Boy Productions. And they had, you know, the clearances and they had the the, the licenses to actually um, have those press, those press requests that, you know, they basically just told the jail, the people at the jail, like, we're coming, we're interviewing her, and this is what we're going to do. And, you know, so they naturally they had been used to that already. As far as for the actual interview, I just said, Betty, you call me. Once you get the phone lines up, it was a, it, it may have been a Friday or Saturday morning. And I said, so she naturally gets 15 minutes per phone call. And I said, when you get cut out, you call me back and we'll con- we'll continue right where we left off. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, the entire interview is maybe about two and a half hours. I have it on the Facebook page. It's the Free Betty Wilson Project page. And the entire interview is up there. And when, and you know, like what naturally took, you know, like maybe about 20, 25 minutes out of the film, maybe even less than that because her, like the, the snippets of her were fairly short. That was like an all day thing. That was, you know, from maybe like nine in the morning. I think her last phone call came in maybe like five in the evening, something like that. And it was just basically all day just sitting and waiting for her call to come in. You know, she had some times where, you know, they call them in for child because, you know, like she's live in a prison. And there were times where like she had to just go go get cut off because they had to do count and things like that so and it, it you know i wish i had a little more of that in the film but it actually shows like the reality of like what's actually going on in her life wow now did you produce and direct or how much of this is you gene how much of this <laughs> That's a question I get asked a lot, and you know, I, you know, I did have a lot to do, but at the end of the day, I can't sit back and take all the credit. You know, I I had a great surrounding a production team. I had, you know, people who showed up who knew how to use the cameras and things like that. You know, the senior producer, her name's Brittany Pauline. She made sure that I got all the footage that I needed for, you know, for like the post edit, the on site people, the people in the, Alabama when I went there they had great interview techniques and you know I was just glad that they came because it was a much more relaxed situation where it it kind of felt more of an interview style and you know there's little portions of that in the film it's where there's a blue background and I'm sitting on the stairs and you know it's just some people asking me questions you know do you think you're crazy or things like that and also the people who showed up they these were these were people who I just called like very last minute like and I'm just like hey I need people for this film can you come in and they just you know showed up without hesitation and I you know I was deeply appreciative of that and you know at the end of the day they got to be in a movie and then like I used to rap so I made friends on the music scene and I'm like hey I'm making this film and my budget is only so low you can if you let me go through some of your music and I pick a song 
will you allow me to use it for your for will you let me will you allow me to use it for the film these people they're they're like local rappers they jumped with no hesitation and like now i have that connection where if you know say five six years later down the line you know i i have like a production company or you know something bigger i'm, I'm just making connections where you know people are asking me like hey like do you know people who might be interested in this now you know they can get their music out on a you know larger scale basis so you know it wasn't just a me thing you know i did you know i did have sleepless nights dealing with editing dealing with planning uh, and there was a whole lot to just basically take away from that but it was not just a me thing and most importantly at the end of the day betty wilson for you know her participation, you know, obviously she's going through a hard time. She's going to, you know, jump to anyone who wants to help. But at the end of the day, you know, she was a, you know, helpful asset to making this film. I want the, the viewers, the listeners out there to know and understand that, like you said, you didn't have a production company. You didn't have any aspirations to be a filmmaker. It was a story that either resonated with you or initially it was this injustice that you wanted to bring to light but you had a vision and you put together a team you found the right people and this is how it this is how it was done in independent documentary filmmaking is you have a vision I'm, I'm thinking you have a vision and you find and you align yourself with the right people and you get the project done is that a fair way of putting it absolutely and one thing you know to really put out there is i absolutely had a vision and things happened you know the final piece was nothing of what i initially wanted to do you know i wanted to actually go to my alma mater and showcase a class to you know mass group of college kids and explain that you know like the the portion where we're smashing watermelons and things like that i wanted to have like you know a big you know group of people and ex explaining like how these things are actually taking place and the pandemic set in you know so i couldn't get that because all the schools were shut down and then i wanted to have an in-person interview with betty which i think would have been very visual and i couldn't get that but some of the things that actually like happened in the film, you know, where she's just explaining over the phone, I think there was even a more vivid um, portion to it because you're just hearing her voice. And like, for example, the part where she's talking about spending nine and a half months in solitary, like that is very vivid. And, you know, like it's something that really speaks out. And the fact that she was just doing that from, like, over the phone and, like, you had to understand, like, this is a real person, this is their life, speaks volumes. Yeah. So you mentioned the part about the, the watermelon. Can you can you explain why you put that scene in there with the, the baseball bats smashing a watermelon? <laughs> so there was, so in, like, the autopsy, you know, um, there was this idea that, you know, this man was killed being beaten by a baseball bat and then a big eye-opening portion of Betty's twin sister Peggy's case 
was they had an independent pathologist from Georgia come and testify that there was no way that a baseball bat could have committed these injuries. So naturally in the autopsy, what they found were lacerated, lacerated abrasions in the skull fractures. You had stabbings, you had a fractured hyoid, and you had blunt force trauma. So you have basically these I, this idea that this man single-handedly with a baseball bat committed all these injuries. So I had, you know, the idea of taking a watermelon because I wanted to produce like something that would similarly represent someone's head. And so when, you know, they crushed the watermelons with, you know, the with the bat, the rebar, and then the fireplace poker, you actually see the differences in how the how the skull how the watermelon was crushed so with that idea that dr chris berry was saying was that if you crush somebody's head with a baseball bat it's going to give crushing blows and it's not going to give these lacerated you know abrasions that were in the autopsy so actually i did you know like i came prepared so i actually did like the little the the watermelon stuff myself first i was actually mind blown about how the baseball bat and the fireplace poker and the rebar were like very different i was like oh yeah blown myself <laughs> i was too when i saw the 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 except the scenes of that it there is a definite difference and when you see it being done to the watermelon like so with the fireplace poker the rebar and the and the bat there is a, a a huge difference yeah and and earlier in the film there was actually like photos of like what you know his skull looked like and you know you if you know you remember that portion you can actually see like this man had nothing in comparison to what a crushing blow would have done to his head wow For those of you who are just jumping in, listening, and watching this podcast, we're talking with Gene Adam Jr. right now about his film, Finding Betty. And what we're talking about right now is the part that is in, the, in his documentary where he's showing what the difference is when you use a baseball bat, fireplace poker, a reap to a head. And to simulate that, Gene used the watermelon. There's so much happening, and I'm amazed at the work that you've been able to do with without even having this interest to be a filmmaker and then you were inspired and you were driven to do this so I think this goes to show that anytime anybody really wants to do something and you set your mind to it you can accomplish it Gene do you have any aspirations to to make other films Absolutely. Actually, I, I'm not going to lie. Before I ended up making this film, a friend of mine, the, the, the guy, so my friend, his name's JJ, he's an artist by the name of Flea Jones, and we made an album together. So our group was the Peanut Gallery. We made an album called Tales from the Basement, and I retired quote quote from after making the album and we actually sat down and we pieced together an entire film together that we had just came up with but 
it's kind of like a Hollywood type film, so like it's still, you know, in the back of my head, but like obviously like the funding that would be needed to create this film would be about, you know, thousands of times more than than, you know, what was, you know, done for Finding Betty. And you know, from that, my goal, you know, 2023 would be to start a production company, you know, just to move forward and, you know, get some, you know, ideas because now like I know how to get a movie out there, you know, you know, dabbling with, you know, TV. I actually like I would say like from the get-go creating a production company, I want to like actually make a series on the story of Betty Wilson, you know, kind of like the like what Netflix did for OJ and things like that. So, because she has a story that is just phenomenal and it's beyond it's beyond mean and you know like one thing that really you know you have to question is you know why she's still in jail (laughs) and you know Mm -hmm. how all this can take place and then you know like people are still out there just lying to the public about what took place and I'll I'll actually have you know like before this I, I and like even today I wouldn't even necessarily call myself much of a conspiracy theorist this was just kind of like all laid out facts like through court documents through you know the the books and you know through the science and the testimony and i often say that if you really want to understand the injustice of betty wilson you have to look at the case of her twin sister peggy Lowe. and furthermore like what i truly present in the film is not just an injustice and it it goes beyond that like the injustice is just ba- the basis but the real question is the integrity of the justice system as a whole because if this can happen to betty wilson it can happen to you it can happen to someone you love and we as a people shouldn't be able to stand for that I- And I want people to know that this is... We're not talking about the 60s or 70s. This was 1992, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we can we can still say that was... That's recent history. That is that is within the time frame of a lot of... Probably just... I'll say 99% of the people that are watching or listening to this. That's been within your lifetime. And it still continues. Yeah. And, you know... A whole ordeal with the case of Betty Wilson was the politics surrounding it, the notoriety of, you know, the Deep South. So, Betty Wilson and her husband, they had an open marriage, so they openly saw other people, and that was just their practices. And when her husband was killed, and she's on trial for this murder for hire, even though the state has no facts or, you know, nothing truly linking Betty to this case and they're just basically on a mass scheme to have this woman convicted one of the things that they did was they brought in an African American who she had an affair with and bringing this to the deep south you see this white woman who's married to a white man and she's having an affair with a black man people were jumping to this you know the media was le- the media were like leeches on this and they wanted to get any reason to convict this woman and the state kind of just fed everybody garbage and then when Peggy Lowe comes on trial 
she just her entire defense just opens up this wide array of corruption court violations and furthermore like even after her after her acquittal through the appeals of Betty Wilson where they're basically saying like there's a whole case proving my innocence her appeals get denied and so like you have to question why this is still going on you know I personally you know like I feel like sick to my stomach that you know like she hadn't gotten an appeal like granted for her or at least a retrial and a furthermore it, it, it bothers me even more that she was even ever charged for this and brought to this because you know you put yourself into her shoes and you know this is someone you love who was murdered and then you're spending the rest of your life for this that you had no part of that's just you know the worst thing that could possibly happen you know there's so much that is within this story we didn't even talk about james white you know yeah. there's so guy much to it yeah <laughs> yeah good guy who's claimed to be uh, <laughs> the hired hit man and years later recants that and then courts don't do anything yet yeah, it's just crazy so i really hope that people look for this documentary film of yours finding betty i mean come on it's just about everywhere where we stream and watch things gene is there anything else that you want to throw out there as far as yourself the movie anything upcoming like said now you've got that filmmaking bug who are you looking for out there so i'll leave with this note because i'm hoping that people who watch the film get inspired to act upon it and you know i've basically been telling people this you know this woman's been in jail for 30 years and she's had all her appeals exhausted and it's up to us as people to basically take it upon ourselves to bring this to the forefront of the media and you know you can start by getting educated watching the film but if you want to do more you know i'll urge you contact some of these nonprofit organizations that truly look into of this matter you know i'm talking like the aclu national organization for women the innocence project the innocence network the sentencing project contact you know your politicians celebrities you know just tag people and you know or even if you can't do all that and you just want to put a post on you know your instagram or twitter just hey i watched this movie and you know i found it you know important this is where you can watch it too so you know get out there and act make a difference i you know my ultimate goal as i said in the film getting betty wilson out of jail but i think you know it's been long overdue for what this woman's gone through and more overly well i wouldn't say more overly but you know she has a twin as well who has been separated from her for the last 30 years 30 years is a long time yeah Uh, thank you this has been really motivational. I don't know if that's the right word to use. I truly thank you for having me here.